0: Hello, and welcome to a special bonus episode for your reconsideration. I'm Devin. And I'm Kyle. And this week, instead of looking back at Oscar races of the past, we are focusing solely on last year, 2018, and our favorite films from this past year. And we're super excited about it. We're going to do our top 10 films. And then we also have a few fun categories that we stole from other people. So it's going to be a fun time.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot to write those down. Cool. I'll have them. I'll have
0: them. Okay. All right. So let's get started. Do you want to go first? or Do you want me to go first?
1: Uh, I'll start it off. You're like the host of this show.
0: Okay. What is your number ten movie of 2018?
1: Well, I cheated twice on this list. I just want you to know. And okay. I put, I have a tie. <laughs> okay. I have a tie in my number ten, and it's not a tie because it's just like I was trying to fit more movies. I actually have uh, four movies on this list, two in each category, or two in each number slot that like I think. Go together very nicely. Okay. Plan like a double feature, if you will. Sure. Out of these two movies. Sounds
0: like cheating, but okay. (laughs)
1: Yeah, you know, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. All right. So, in my number 10 slot, I have Bing Lu's Minding the Gap and Jonah Hill's Mid 90s.
0: Very nice.
1: Yeah, two movies I think I do think mesh together really well. Minding the Gap is the documentary actually made in our hometown. Um, Rockford, Illinois. I I don't think we're being biased here. No. Uh, I think it's on a lot of top 10 lists. And winning a ton of awards will definitely get an oscar nomination soon um but yeah Mining the gap deals with these three friends i guess if you will uh <laughs> i don't know if they like always started out that way but they're definitely around the same scene together and just deals with the abuse in their lives um and ties that in with, like, the escapism of skateboarding and how just kind of how people deal with everything's. But these are everyday guys, and it just kind of shows that there's more to that, like, there's more to their story than just, I guess, what they, you know, the people, like, there's more to the people around us than just what we perceive by just looking at them. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously goes in much further than that. It's a super well-edited documentary, um, and it's getting, you know all the acclaim i think it probably deserves i didn't honestly love it at first uh i think that is well known at least amongst the people that know me <laughs>
0: yeah i don't know amongst our listeners <laughs> yeah, but... No, yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, but it has since grown on me. i showed it to my classes um and a lot of great conversations have started from it and it's just kind of stuck with me all year and then i it with mid-90s because i mean that movie is very much about young skateboarders and although like skateboarding may be a bit of the tie-in here obvious for obvious reasons I think it just deals again with youth and kind of how they bond over anything and then use that as like you know a way of dealing with the problems at hand while growing up and you know feel like obviously to to most people who don't skateboard skateboarding just seems like an annoying thing (laughs) because you're like out in a public space and you got these kids you know saying fuck every other word and you know being loud and obnoxious with their skateboards but you know it's better than than doing that than a lot of other things yeah wow i feel like i'm not getting off to a strong start as describing my feelings but uh (laughs) i do think those two really tie well together i think that would honestly make a great double feature Um, so yeah, number 10, Minding the Gap and mid nineties.
0: Very cool. I agree with both of those, although neither of them made my list, but I liked both of them more than I thought I would. Good. Uh, my number 10 slot is only one film because I follow the rules. (laughs) (laughs) I have Widows directed by Steve McQueen.
1: Mm.
0: Now I, this was probably one of the movies I was most anticipating all year, Um, because it got like a lot of really great buzz and I am a sucker for a heist movie it's like probably my favorite genre
1: oh so Ocean's 8 is on here too
0: (laughs) well I will be discussing Ocean's (laughs) 8 (laughs) Um, and uh and it was uh, you know an all-female cast and all stuff and I mean I think a lot like as I was putting my list together it was a lot of um, expectations really played a large part in what made my list and what didn't make my list, whether I had like high expectations or low expectations, I'm more surprised. And with widows, I did have really high expectations when I went to see it, but in this case, like it did live up to those expectations because it's a heist movie, it's a genre movie, but it's directed by someone who really is like isn't treating it like a genre movie, is treating it like a piece of art. And so it's just like beautifully directed. The performances Viola Davis, you know, is, like, getting a lot of acclaim because Viola Davis is magnificent. But I think, like, Elizabeth DeBecky, who I've been a fan of for a really long time, she delivers, like, a really, really great performance that I wish was getting a little bit more attention to. And in general, I wish Widows was getting more attention. Like, I feel like it had all this buzz when it was coming out. And then since then, I just feel like that buzz has, like, completely died away. Like, in the award season discussions, it's hardly ever coming up when I think that this is, like, a truly truly great movie, but I think like just because it does still have like that genre yeah tint over it, people are kind of ignoring it. But oh and also a performance by Brian Tyree Henry who like
1: dude, this is his year. He had,
0: had he's had a really great year. <laughs> yeah. Yes
1: he has. What this? Yeah. Uh obviously Atlanta. And if Beale Street could if talk. Beale Street could talk. Which he like
0: he's only one scene of if
1: Beale got Street a, could talk but like he's got a role in deals that movie. he's got a great role in into the Spider Verse. Oh, yeah. Like he's dude he's he is working. Yeah. He's, he's doing great
0: um but yeah and widows i just think that i forget where i was going before i got distracted by brian tyler henry but it's a really great movie um directed beautifully has one of my favorite shots of the entire year which is like it's the shot that like everybody talks about from widows where they're um colin farrell's character i'm sorry colin farrell's character is like uh doing a speech or whatever in this like rundown portion of chicago like to his constituents whatever like running for re-election and then they get in the car and it's all shot from outside the car and you just hear them talking inside as it drives a couple blocks and then when it pans over again you're in like his ritzy yeah. neighborhood
1: it's like right down the street but it's just two separate worlds yeah for
0: sure. which is beautiful and again like we're kind of we have lived in chicago we live near chicago so just like seeing that depiction of chicago was interesting as well i mean be great if people if we weren't known for being like a very corrupt city that'd be cool but (laughs) (laughs) until that day um so yeah widows lived up to my expectations which were already high on my number 10
1: movie of the year interesting it did not make my list nor even an honorable mention i I thought it was good i thought it was good i just it did not stick with me at the end of the day much like you were saying probably is going on with these critics or nominations like it just it was a fun watch But at the end of the day, it's just like I don't know. Yeah, I don't think we'll be talking about widows in ten years.
0: I hope that we do though, because I hope that it like opens up doors of being like you can make genre movies and still like put more care into them. I guess I don't know.
1: Oh sure, yeah, yeah. Like you can make it like an artistic genre movie. You can
0: get like really really good actors, and you can.
1: Yeah, I have actually I have an example of kind of that coming up later, um, for sure. Alright, number nines.
0: Oh. <laughs> did you say plural again?
1: No, no, no I meant like on to our number nine. Oh, okay. No, 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 My number nine is A Star Is Born. Ooh. Yep. Uh directed by Bradley Cooper, starring him and Lady Gaga. I think this was I think this was a popular hit in the year, right? Yeah. Was it not? Okay, it did well. I think so. Okay, think yeah. it did very well. <laughs> I, I just you know, not not everybody's seen it, I know, but yeah. Um, I think it'll definitely have a shelf life after award season um, with DVD, Blu-ray or streaming. A lot of people will catch up with it if they haven't already. Um, dude, just uh, honestly, like I was, I was hyped going into this movie and it met, if not exceeded my expectations. Um, I love the way it's shot. Although I hate the cinematographer. Um, I do love the way it's shot. I love the its flow. It just feels like you're in an experience not really a movie and like i love stuff like that um more recently like that's what phantom thread felt like to me last year it just felt like i we just let that movie like it just oozed over me rather than like i felt like i was watching and following a structure you know what i mean um and that was kind of a star is born for me this year soundtrack has stuck with me all throughout the year i can't i probably listen to part of the soundtrack at least once a week um just honestly great performances I really like the style. Um, And yeah, it just definitely made my list because it's just, it's, it's stayed with me all year. And I, and I appreciate that more than some movies that are just really good, but then I forget about, like I jotted down movies for my list and then was like, oh yeah, this movie was good too. But like, because it didn't immediately come to mind, I just threw it off my list or didn't even consider it. So, but yeah, a star is born. If you haven't seen it, please check it out. I know it'll definitely get some Oscar attention.
0: Uh, yeah, to your point of if people have seen it, it is the twelfth highest-grossing movie of okay, the year. Okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Some people have seen it. Yeah. I uh, I liked *A Star Is Born*, although it did not make my list or my honorable mentions. But, uh, okay.
1: I like our list so far. Yeah, we have a lot
0: of yeah. Just so our listeners know, we're like good. we don't know what each other picks. No, yeah, yeah. This is the yeah. first time we're hearing our own picks, even though I feel like, like
1: when we get in like the top five, we might have some similarities, but we'll we will see. We might, yeah, we'll see.
0: I also want to point out too, like take this moment to say, like while we have seen a lot of movies, we've by no accounts like seen as many as like most critics have seen. I think we've no. s- I've seen around like seventy movies or so that came out mm-hmm. in two thousand eighteen, when like critics see like three hundred or whatever. Right, so right. I just want to like. Let people know, like, there's always some things that we didn't get to, unfortunately, before we could make our list.
1: Yeah, actually, speaking of that right now, some things I didn't get to is... Uh, well, maybe we'll talk about that at the end. Okay. I do have some, like, regrets that I didn't Me get too. to. but okay.
0: Um. Okay, so number nine. My number nine is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Directed by Mariel Heller. Uh, again, this was a movie that I was, like, really, really looking forward to because I think it's um, a really interesting story. It's based on a true story of Lee Israel, who was a celebrity biographer who then in the 90s uh kind of wasn't getting a lot of work and was and was also, was also just like not a very pleasant or nice person which I think led to the not getting work thing but um so she turned to forging literary letters to make money until she was eventually arrested but um so I was looking for this movie and like so I think like those expectations I went into it and like after it was done, I was kind of like, Oh, it wasn't like as good as I wanted it to be maybe. But I think, well one, so she's this writer who's kind of down on her luck, unemployed or whatever. I saw this movie the day after I lost my job <laughs> as a
1: writer. As a writer.
0: So <laughs> maybe it was like hitting a little close to home <laughs> for me that day. But, um, I think like, again, like it's one of those things where I keep like thinking about it, which Melissa McCarthy stars as Lee Israel. And I think hands down, this is the, the best performance of her career. Um, Hmm. She's really great. I think, like, obviously she's known for, you know, kind of for, like, slapstick funny stuff, which she's great at as well. But there's so much... She's still very funny in this in a different way, but there's this, like, vulnerability and, like, sadness to it that she, like, just conveys really well. And, like, Lee Israel, the character, the person, um, you know, not insanely likable, and yet Melissa McCarthy... With Richard E. Grant, who stars, like, her best friend in it, their friendship and their chemistry together really, like, you understand these people. And while they're doing things, not even, like, crime stuff, but, like, other stuff where you're, like, oh, eh, that's unlikable, that's, like, not great. You still feel for them. You understand why they're at that place. You, like, are rooting for them in a way. And um, I just think, like, those are two of the best performances of the year, and I think the movie is... It's, um, it's an adult movie made for adults that's not about you know, comic books and, like, whatever else. Like, I always, like, bemoan the fact that, like, they don't make movies like they did in the 90s anymore, where it's just, like, about adult things, like, for adults. And that's what this movie is, and I really appreciate it for that, and I think it's beautifully done. I think it's touching and moving and also funny and wonderful.
1: Okay. Also, did, it didn't make my list or honorable mentions, but it—it's because I literally forgot about it. Yeah. And like, no offense to it, I think it's a fine movie, like in its own right. But when you com- when I was comparing it against like the other films that stood out on my ear, it's just like it—it didn't—it literally didn't even come to mind. Yeah. But it is—I I do agree. I think it's a fine movie. I think it's very good. Yes. Okay. Uh, number eight, and this is kind of what you're talking about with widows, like a genre film that can be elevated a little bit. <coughs> Game Night.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, Game Night is my number 8. Uh obviously a comedy starring um Rachel McAdams and what's his name?
0: Jason Bateman. Thank
1: you, Jason Bateman. Um that honestly like I mean, I watched this what a few weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> so I waited all year or whatever and I just I laughed throughout the whole thing. The performances were fantastic. The writing was was superb. Like it was just a standout comedy that I can't remember I can't remember loving a comedy so much. Like a straight up comedy so much in years, like since like maybe knocked up or super bad or something like that. It mm-hmm. just like really stood out to me. Um, but also like I wanted to yeah, I feel like even with its like openings and like this tilt shift lens they use where it kind of makes like their neighborhood look like a like a game board or something, like all this kind of like fancy directorial stuff throughout it just made it stand out in these comedy genre movies like it just it, it felt like a lot of care went into it and like on paper i could see the studio being like mm, you know like is this mm-hmm. cost effective you know whatever but the director like probably just stood their ground and got the, those little touches through and I, that i could really appreciate but it's a movie that i mean there's a lot of movies on my list i would obviously recommend to people <laughs> i mean that's the whole idea but this is a movie that's like universally I could recommend to just about anybody, and like without you know feel like a yeah. lot of these I might have to know a little bit about them first. Game night. If someone asked me like what's a movie to recommend, and they have not, I would I would shove Game Night down their throat. Absolutely. Fun, fun movie.
0: It's great. It I have redone my list like five times, and there were many iterations where Game Night was on my top ten, mm-hmm. and it makes me very sad that it's not on my top ten now. Yeah. But. I did love that movie because I, I watched it. I watched it on a plane, and
1: yeah, then and it was really annoying because <laughs> yeah, she kept laughing. He was and I'm watching, watching Safe and yeah. Private
0: Ryan, and then I'm watching Game Night. I'm watching
1: Night. like the horrors of war, and Devin's laughing her ass off next to me.
0: And then we were like, you know, catching up on stuff before at the end of the year, and I was like, you need to watch Game Night, and we watched it, and I was like, yes,
1: yeah, it's great. It is a great, a movie. really great surprise.
0: Definitely on my honorable mentions, but my number eight is Roma by Alfonso Huron.
1: Roma.
0: Which, um, I mean, I think that movie is probably getting the most buzz of any movie this year, which I think is, like, crazy, because, and I think it's mostly because of Netflix. I think because this movie is on Netflix, it is accessible to literally everyone when this kind of movie, like, would mostly not be accessible to anyone. Because, like, if I'm looking at, like, my regrets, like movies I can't see, like most of them are foreign language movies because those just don't yeah. show as regularly as other movies, even in like bigger markets or whatever. So uh, the fact that it's on Netflix, I think that that helps because a lot more people Amen. have been able to see it. Amen. And I think that's great. I mean, we watched it at home on Netflix um, and I just, it is one of the most like visually stunning movies I've seen maybe ever. Like it is a beautiful movie and i th- and i loved it watching it at home but i can't even mention like i'm sure you know i wish we could have made it into music box seat and 70 millimeter while yeah. they were playing it because i have to imagine that that's even like more breathtaking and more um just like visually pleasurable but even watching it at home like it's absolutely beautiful the story is it's just lovely. It's Afonso Curone's kind of ode to his nanny when he was growing up. And so it's from his memories and that sort of thing. And again, I don't know how much she, you know, told him about what was going on in her life or how much he's like pieced together, whatever. But I think the point is that he's elevating this woman who to him was like a saint and who cared for him and his family. When they were going through rough times. And it's just a lovely, lovely homage to a person that he loved. And you can feel that love in everything. And I also, like, there's so many, like, tragic things that happen in this movie. Um, But the way that it shot, the way that he shot things, he has a lot of, like, long takes. And, you know, not a lot of, like, camera movement and that kind of thing. Where, you know, a lot of movies can, like, get to you, like, get to you to that emotional place by by utilizing music or utilizing different visual things that will like make you choke up. But when you just like set the camera still and just let these events unfold, like that's when you get, that's for me, like when I get those like emotional things all of a sudden like sneak up on you because like in life, that's how tragedy unfolds. There's no music. There's no whatever. It's just like happening before you. There's nothing you really do about it, which I think that shooting it that way is really uh, powerful. I think it's a powerful film.
1: Amen. It will be coming up later on my list oh, as well.
0: wow.
1: Why did, why'd you say wow?
0: Well, I didn't think you liked it as much as me. So now I feel weird that I have it lower than you.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, okay. That's fair. Uh, my number seven is Support the Girls by Andrew Bajowski. Um, I had seen this movie. Dave, Dave and I are talking with a good friend of mine. We had, we'd watched it at a film festival in Wisconsin. And both of us kind of walked out of there being like, I, you know, like, it was good, but, like, this and this technical issue. You know what I mean? And I really feel like we saw an earlier cut. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I, I do. I do Because I feel like when we we watched it together, you and I, um, all the things that I remembered were still there and still great. And then it also just, like, had a flow to it that was, I don't know, way better than I even remembered. Um, but Support the Girls, uh, yeah, it's my number seven on my list. It is a movie about kind of like a Hooters-esque restaurant um, and then just the people that work there and, you know, you assume, I guess, a certain thing about the people that work at that type of place but really it's just everybody, you know, everybody needs a job and these girls are just doing what they got to do to get by and it deals with mostly with the manager played by... Um,
0: Regina Hall.
1: Regina Hall, thank you. I didn't want to say Regina King. I, I knew I was going that way. Uh, by Regina Hall who just gives... An extraordinary performance. Like, I've, I don't think I've ever seen her in, like, a serious role, or at least as, as this, and it just, she knocked me away. And the, the supporting cast, just everybody is just absolutely incredible, brings us all together, and just gives this kind of powerful, like, our f- female-empowering film from a male director, which is really nice to see. But if you look back at his other work, I've been following him for a while. He came up in the whole Mumblecore movement, whether he wanted to or not. <laughs> um But it's just, it's, you know, it's great to see that, you know, he's tackling this even in just such like a small way that's kind of unique to, like, it's a very unique idea. And I really, really appreciate it. The movie's funny. It's charming as hell. um, And just kind of delivers some really, really great performances. And so, yeah, that's my number seven. Support the girls.
0: I completely agree. I adored that movie. Um, And there were a couple versions of my list where it was on my top 10. Unfortunately, it's not anymore. It's on my honorable mentions. It's really great. But my number seven is Shirkers by Sandy Tan, which is the latest addition to my list because I literally saw it two days ago. (laughs) But um, it's a documentary that is also available on Netflix. And so I urge people to watch it. I'm also going to try to not give away too much of it because I do think people should go watch it. But it's a documentary, um, about in 1992 in Singapore, these three girls set out to make this road movie and, uh, and then it was, it was taken from them and it's just kind of them. It's almost in a way like the main character saying to the woman who made the movie and who had written and starred in the movie in 1992, also called shirkers, um, she's making this movie and it's it's very a very personal story that they're telling and they obviously like i feel like in a way like this happened in 1992 and this is you know 2000 whatever that they're making this documentary about it but i feel like this is the first time they're really like processing what happened to them and what that means and like trying to figure out i feel like like, it happened and then they didn't know how to deal with it and so they just like buried it and now this is them finally like working through what happened like their dreams were literally stolen from them and like how that affected them and how that shaped the rest of their lives when their lives could have gone like a very different way had that not happened. And um, the f- it's visually so interesting and just like like bright colors and poppy and like very, it's a Jackie and Marnie, but it feels so much like a narrative because it somewhat is, but like it's just a really beautiful film and I think that it's, you know, A very 2018 film for me, too, because it's these three rad girls who, like, did this thing, and then it was, like, taking it from them, and then this is them, like, reclaiming it finally. And it just was, like, very powerful for me, and I definitely recommend that everyone should go watch it on Netflix.
1: Excellent. Yeah, that's on my, sadly, I didn't get to see list, because you watched it without me in a moment of weakness.
0: You told me I could go ahead and watch it without you.
1: I don't approve. (laughs) Okay. Uh, My number six is Roma, for everything Devin said and more. um, Devin has not seen Children of Men or Ito Mama Tambien, and I really think, you know, Roma is beautiful and everything for every reason Devin said, but the main reason it is on my list is because this guy, I feel like, has so many masterpieces in him, and this is just another continuation of that. Like, I didn't, like, absolutely love Gravity. Um, I think it was... An interesting departure for him but also very much him uh in a big bad way but like i mean with itiwama tambien children of men children of men roma like this guy is literally one of the best directors working today like top five mm-hmm. and uh roma deserves every bit of praise it is getting and that's why it is my number six
0: very nice now I feel bad that i like talked about it for so long and then you have it higher
1: yeah
0: i'm sorry we can going to re-edit it and then just put it, make my voice sound like yours. Does that sound good? No.
1: Okay. Sounds like a lot of work on my part.
0: <laughs> All right. Then I want to tell you that my number six movie is Bad Times at the El Royale. Uh, again, thinking about expectations. Like, I thought this movie looked cool. It's a really cool cast. You put John Hamm in a movie and I'm going to go. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> But this is a movie where it's very stylized, which I like that. It's set in the 60s, which I like that. Um, but it's a movie where like literally every time a plot point happened, I was like, what? <laughs> you know, like you could not see yeah. where this movie no, was going. No. And so it was just like a, it was probably one of my best experiences like in the theater this year because it was just like I was like, I don't know what's happening, but I'm loving all of it. It looks beautiful. Uh, the All the performances were fantastic. With, like, a deep bench of actors. And, um, it was just fun.
1: So that's why it's my number six. for sure. I I I couldn't agree with you more. That'll come up a little later for me, too. Not on my top ten, but elsewhere. Um, what are we on? Five. (laughs) Five. My number five. I'm sorry I'm beating you to it, because I'm sure it's going to be on your list. Is Yorgos Lanthimos' The Favorite. Um... You've probably seen the trailers. It's everywhere. Emma Stone, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss just murdering it on screen every second of this movie. Um, it's Shakespearean in a way with its language or, I don't want to say that with its language, but in, with its conflict, I'll say. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, you know, it's just, I mean, I, sorry, I don't really know what to say. I'm bad at this. Um, but with its language i love the way it's shot with the wide angle lenses like it's very much this director even though this is the first time he has not worked off of a script he solely wrote um so it's probably his most universal film i think it's an easy step in for the director and if you like this you'll like his other things dog tooth um the lobster what was the one from last year killing Killing a sacred deer thank you thank you um but yeah, just a very fun movie dealing with the queen Queen Anne and her favorites. Her favorites. Yes. That's, yeah. That's yes, that's, that's very proper. Um but just awesome cast. These women killed it. Every guy in here is also amazing, but they're they're <laughs> they're there to just be dumb dicks. <laughs> and it's just like it's just I don't know. Maybe there's a theme here in my list, but like this is just an awesome awesome time at a movie um probably one, honestly one i would highly recommend to see on a big screen i think it'll play just as fine at home for sure but like it's just so nice to be and watch all these uh all these awesome costumes and hair and makeup and these backgrounds in this in this uh castle no what's yeah. the proper word palace, palace thank you <laughs> they're just like oh it's such a feat to watch um but yeah it's just a fun movie let let yourself get into it for sure it might not be exactly what you're expecting but i promise it's a it's a fun ride
0: absolutely i will have more to say about that later i figured uh my number five is black clansman by spike lee um i mean i don't even know what spike lee can direct a movie like i don't know <laughs> what else <laughs> to say about that but um it reminds so like I haven't seen a lot of Spike Lee's movies, but the first Spike Lee movie I ever saw was actually a documentary that he did called Four Little Girls because my mom used to show Mm. it to her students. And um, in it, there's this part, which Four Little Girls is about these four little girls who were killed in the church bombing in the South. And um, there's this part of it where he's interviewing these like white people who were there at the time and they're talking about how like we were just like good christian people and we you know blah blah and like as they're talking about how they're just good christian people raising their children blah blah there's like all these images of like children dressed up in Klansmen's robes and that sort of thing i think that spike lee obviously is like very talented at like pointing out the ridiculousness of racism and like this movie to me kind of felt like the elongated version of that moment in that documentary. That's
1: interesting. I like that.
0: Where it's like, look at like how fucking stupid these people are. And so it's like a funny movie, but it's also like the way he ties it into what's happening now, not just with the ending, but like just like throughout it's like, you're laughing and then you catch yourself and you're like, Oh shit. Like that's yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a like, real problem. A lot of times you're,
1: yeah, you're <laughs> laughing at the fact that it's like, Oh, man. Yeah. Like, not much has changed. You know what I mean? Like, exactly. catching stuff like that. But I do want to, really quick, sorry. The, nope. endi- the ending is probably one of my favorite endings of the year.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: But Black Klansmen unfortunately, did not make my list.
0: Mm. It's It's one of those things, too. Like, it did just, like, stick with me almost all yeah, year. Yeah, for sure. And, like, that ending, because, like, the ending, they use real footage of um the protesters in Charlottesville when the man drove the car through the crowd and killed someone.
1: We don't need to talk about that but okay
0: sorry well i'm just explaining what it was we can edit that out then
1: i'm not gonna edit it out you already ruined it
0: sorry well i'm just saying it like takes like you have been like having kind of fun with this movie and then it kind of just like really drives home yeah
1: and to be truthful you didn't spoil anything i think it's important for people to i don't think they're gonna be mad that you talked about the ending i just think it's yeah. an important juxtaposition it is within it's the movie. it was a nice surprise but then
0: it was i mean it was like a devastating surprise but yeah. like uh, it was important, I think it's a very powerful movie and and one of his best and could be finally the one that he gets in recognition for.
1: What would you say his like four other best movies are? Like yeah, if, you like a, if you had to do like a top five best <laughs> Spike Lee, well, you said this is one of his best, so I just want <laughs> to... Well,
0: I haven't seen that many of his movies,
1: but like... But it's one of the best of 2018, and that's what yes. matters. Okay. Yes. All right, that was number five. <laughs> number four. This is my, my last... Cheating. Twofer. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I'll be, I think I'll be a little better explaining this one. So my number four tie is Black Panther and Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Okay. I think these are two hugely popular films. I loved, loved, loved each one. I won't talk about it any further than saying that like Into the Spider-Verse is all about anybody can wear the mask and that theme along with black panther and putting a black man in a superhero movie that was hugely popular number one movie in the world this year let alone the united states is just like a lot of positivity going on i'm actually kind of glad this followed black klansman (laughs) (laughs) um These movies do more than just tell, like, really great stories. I had the privilege of, like, sitting right next to a little black boy in Into the Spider-Verse, and it was awesome to see how excited he was and his reactions to everything. Um, I'm sure there's kids all around the world that related to both of these movies more than I ever could, but I, I appreciate that so, so much, And, uh, especially in a genre that's kind of been over populated (laughs) in the last 10 years. Uh, these are two superhero movies that were just like really good and really important and really now. And that's what I appreciate. And that's my number four, Black Panther and Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse.
0: Very good. Uh, Black Panther is definitely more honorable mentions. And I definitely wish that I had seen Spider-Man in a Spider-Verse. I feel like I do want to see it at some point. You'll enjoy it. I'm sure I will. I will
1: own it. So <laughs> like that, I can promise.
0: All right. Well, my number four is Skate Kitchen by Crystal Moselle, mm-hmm. which again, this movie. So we went into Chicago for your birthday to see some movies and I didn't know anything about these movies. They're just the movies you wanted to go see. Mm-hmm. Anna, uh, so I had like no expectations going into Skate Kitchen because I'd never heard. Was of Was this it.
1: the day we also saw Madeline's Madeline? It is, yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure that's coming up on your list soon. <laughs>
0: <No>. <laughs> and um, Anna, uh, it's this movie. It's a, it's my favorite skate movie of the year in a year full of skate movies. But um, it focuses around these female skateboarders, these like teenage girls who kind of find each other and bond together and form this group, this like family um and i just one it's like so cool like i wish i had ever been this cool in high school or now or in the future but they're just like super cool and i also think like it's this story where this girl the main character um makes these female friends and these like great relationships and then kind of uh risks it for a boy and I think that that's, like, such a common story for, like, whether you're a skater or not. Like, I just think that happens so much to girls in our teenage years. And it was just, like, so refreshing to, like, see that portrayed in a movie. Because there are, like, just so few movies about girlhood and that sort of thing. And so, it ex- like, it was, like, a very personal story. And, like, these group of girls, like, it kind of is... I think like there's a lot of movies this year that are kind of like mixing documentary and narrative. And I think this is one of those, cause these are like a real coalition of like girl skaters who are friends or whatever. And, um, but just like seeing that story told that like in such a personal way that it was yet so universal was just really refreshing and, and made me happy.
1: I absolutely agree. Devin, this is definitely one of my favorites of the year. Um, couldn't relate as much to the girl part but like I could have just associate with being a teenager you mm-hmm. know what i mean and i think a lot of its its themes resonate the dialogue is awesome it's another great yeah, it's, a, it's a great example of a year full of great examples of using non actors um, in roles that kind of do blend the documentary fiction um, and that's why it is my number 3
0: what why well, can you have it higher than me this is crazy
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was number two for a majority of the year, so. It
0: was, like, number one for a long time for me.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, but, yeah, that's why it's been number three. No sense of moving on. Why don't you just talk about your number three?
0: All right. Well, I just want to say, too, like, real quick about you, yeah. like, in Skate Kitchen. Like, I think that's, like, so important, too, because I think for so long there's these movies, like, about teenage boys that, like, girls just, like, have like can relate to and whatever. And, like, that's what we get. And I think it's amen. it's great. Like, it can go both ways, like being a teenager is somewhat universal. No,
1: absolutely. I think that's such a, I think that's like, yeah, the way you said that is perfect because there are so many that were girls, you guys have to almost Mm -hmm. join in because most movies are about boys. Right. Right. But you're right. I think, I think what makes this movie so good is that, and why it's above the movie I do have about skateboarding that stars boys on my list is, you know, because it's refreshing and it had Mm -hmm. an interesting take and it did, again, it, it blended these genres really well. Um gave some awesome performances. And I thought I'm gonna warn you all. Is it Jaden Smith? Yes. Jaden Smith is in this movie. And you're gonna think like, oh come on. <laughs> Motherfuckers crazy. But like it's distracting for like all of two seconds mm-hmm. and then you're just interested.
0: Yeah. So He's it's good. His name is Devin, though, right? That was distracting yeah. for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um honestly I'd recommend it. It's probably one of the most underrated movies of this year, absolutely. But I think should just take off and have a life of its own. But we'll yes. see. Yes,
0: I think it is available to rent now, so mm-hmm. rent it. But my number three, um, staying in this same vein of exploring girlhood, is Eighth Grade by Bo Burnham. Nice. Uh, again, like this movie, it's also like so crazy to me that this movie that so perfectly captures. One, being a preteen girl, being a preteen girl, like, in 2018 was, like, made by this man who was not a (laughs) preteen girl in 2018. But um, I just think, again, it's, like, such a universal thing to feel so, like, left out and unsure of yourself and just trying to figure out who you are and where you fit in. Like, that is such a universal thing that, like, I think... Everyone can get something out of this movie.
1: I think Bo Burnham like spoke to that too. Like he didn't realize that he would be a good writer for this or director until like it was him doing his comedy and being unsure of himself or his place like within comedy um and like well, kind of where to go to next but then like after his shows even if he thought he bombed or whatever these girls would come up to him these teenage girls would be like oh my god i know exactly what you're talking about he realized like him putting himself out there especially in the way he did with starting on youtube mm-hmm. him putting himself out there be it on stage or whatever is just like all these teenagers feel like they're doing on a daily basis because of social media like that's so true yeah. we didn't have it as bad as like these kids have it now. As far as like, mm-hmm. if they don't have a presence, they feel like they're uncool. Like they're they're they just haven't figured life out yet, right? Mm-hmm. And so they're they're doing what everybody else is doing, what the cr- what the group is doing as a, as a whole. And if they don't succeed, if they don't have four thousand friends like Brent does in science class, like they feel like they're failing or they're not doing something right and they're they constantly feel like they have to put their presence out there into the world snapchat or whatever yeah oh my god it's grotesque i'm a high school teacher by the way so (laughs) so i kind of see this on a daily basis and it's really it's really upsetting yeah (laughs) But not not like i'm not upset every day but when you stop and think about it and think about what's going on or you see people react to something because some piece of sensitive information was put out there Mm -hmm. it's terribly upsetting terribly upsetting Sorry, but yeah, 8th grade, you're back to 8th grade.
0: 8th grade. And I just want to say, t- like, everything you said, yes. And um, I think it also has one of the most anxiety-inducing scenes of yeah. the year. Oh. Like, more, it, like, made me more uncomfortable than anything in any horror movie I've ever seen. And it was rough. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was...
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is definitely, a t- it's a tense movie. Like, yeah. I thought it would be, like, this kind of fun, you know, with a message or something. But it is, yeah, it's an anxiety driven movie. It makes you feel like you're it, like, in eighth grade. It
0: puts yeah, it puts you back in like feeling like you're at thirteen again. yeah, and that's that's a horrible time to be a person. Right. So
1: eighth grade was on my list all year until recently. Really? so it oh, j- I it, it, was that it just missed my I know it just missed my list. I just felt some other things kind of took it. Um, i think well it. i'm
0: like there's a thing too bo Burnham said because like you know he was saying when it first came out in theaters and he's like i know people will be like tempted to like not care about this in theaters and just like watch it on their phone because it's not like some big action spectacle but he was like by putting her up on this big screen it is taking her life and saying like this is just as big and important as everything else yeah. and i think like that is like what i like that's too too is like so much respect towards like yeah she's only 13 or whatever and she's only yeah. but like her problems are still big to her and to us when we were that age, and like amen. they deserve deserve to be respected. So, amen.
1: Um, I can't wait to see what he does. Like, yeah, he has one of the most interesting stand up careers I've ever seen. Like, I love watching his stuff. It's always far more poignant than you think it would be. Yeah. And then with this being his first movie, like I, I literally I just can't see, I can't wait to see what happens next. I hope he starts doing more.
0: Yeah, and I can't wait to see what Elsie Fisher does next. That's true. She's That's true. Amazing. She,
1: she has time, you know. I don't care if she finishes school first, but I yeah, do, she's only I, fifteen right now. I do so. want to see her <laughs> <laughs> eventually. So now we're coming down to the fact that I think we both have. I'm going to assume we both have the same two movies in our top two, but perhaps in a different order. I don't know. I could be completely wrong.
0: I think you're a little bit wrong.
1: Okay. Well, my number two is The Rider. Okay. Um, by Chloe. Oh shit. Chloe Zhao. Thank you, Chloe Zhao. I had my note and then I've realized I locked my phone. It's right there. Okay. Uh by Chloe Zhao. I mean, I haven't seen anything else she's done, but this filmmaker is again just speaking of like Bo Burr, I cannot wait to see what Chloe Zhao does next. Um, another example as we talked about before blending kind of documentary and fiction, whereas these are real people playing themselves in a similar situation to something they went through or are currently going through. Um and it's just literally one of the most beautiful movies I've seen ever. Uh, <laughs> Roma is also a very captivating movie. I think we talked about as far as its cinematography, but like Roma, I appreciate I appreciate what Karan does because like he plans everything to a T. His one takes are like totally figured out. They're perfect. They're great you know Mm -hmm. i love it whereas like chloe zhao's camera feels like we are truly capturing the moment rather than it's like completely planned out and like that's why it kind of stands above even beauty in my mind over roma on on like in my list um but it's just honestly a fantastic movie that i first heard we first heard about last year because it got a independent spirit nomination yeah but like no one had heard of it
0: yeah which i don't really think it's nominated for independent spirit awards this year too i don't know okay
1: that's weird
0: i think i don't know okay
1: but yeah Yeah. um now that it's finally oh my god I, i couldn't recommend this movie enough i don't even really know how to describe it i don't think it's just for a particular type of person um i think it's universal in a big bad way but i don't feel like it's gonna get all the eyes it it, it properly deserves but it's such a wonderful story again it's shot so well it's i mean it's it's one of the few examples this year of like perfection on screen for me it's actually a one of two examples of perfection on screen (laughs) the other one is number one (laughs) but but yeah um again chloe zow's the writer. please check it out if it doesn't you know it's kind of it's kind of westerny in the fact that it's about bull riding don't let that affect you check it out yes. that's my number two with the writers
0: my number two so my top two films honestly like i kept switching them back and forth okay. so like and ultimately like the way that they've landed has a lot to do with uh expectations but my number two film is the favorite by yorgos lanthimos
1: yeah, I forgot you hadn't said the favorite yet. Yes. Because we did talk about Berryfield But. Okay, sorry.
0: But um to me, like this is uh the best written film of the year, which holds True. a lot of weight in my book. Yes. Um it's funny and it's also uh the three female lead performances, Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weisz, uh Emma Stone are like so outstanding. Like I feel like it's like it sucks that they all should be like separated and like Hitted against each other during award seasons in a way, at least like Rachel weiss and Emma Stone. But um, it's like the best performances, and again, this is like really like in my wheelhouse of female-led movie, dark comedy, British royalty, like all things that I <laughs> love <laughs> yeah, more that's than true. That's
1: gonna... so true.
0: And um, but I just it's it was one of the things, and like again, this was one of the movies I was most anticipating of the year. Yeah. And it did love up to Like, you know, I do think, like, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. I do think, like, with Yorgos Lanthimos, which I'm a fan of uh, other movies that I've seen of his. And this is, like, a little bit less weird than some of his other stuff. It's still, like, definitely a Yorgos Lanthimos movies, But, again, I think because like, he didn't write it, it's not, like... I think it's a little bit more accessible. But um, it's just... It was just fun. And I love... You know, again, it does feel like a very 2018 movie in a way, where it's this uh, mentally unstable leader who is heavily influenced by flattery and lies, and like showing is like it depends on who, depending on who is doing those flattery and lie, like flatteries and lies, like can have very different results, you know, based off of what their intentions are. So interesting
1: read. I like that.
0: Yeah. And uh, I just love it. That's oh. my number two movie.
1: You know, here. I heard on another podcast, and I don't exactly know the validity of this, but they referenced, like, an article that talked about Yorgos hates giving direction. I feel like he has a lot of anxiety, <laughs> so he hates, like, talking to actors.
0: <laughs> he went into a weird line of work there.
1: Right, right. And so I think he, like, it's almost like he takes a similar, like, Woody Allen approach, where, like, mm-hmm. he hires the people he thinks will be good, but then, honestly, only says, like, a few things to them before a scene, and then just lets them go. Mm-hmm. so that goes to show like the artistry of these three uh actresses yes because they just murder it mm-hmm. and
0: and also shout out to nicholas holt who is also amazing right he's
1: great and the other guy who popped up in joe al didn't he pop Mr. up in Taylor the other Swift, i don't know like didn't he pop up in uh
0: he was in mary queen of scots yeah yeah and yeah. uh boy erased this year he had oh, a big year
1: he was in boy erased he's or was the he guy that
0: he meets in college
1: oh really yes oh man <laughs> but he's good he's yeah, good he's yeah good. he had a good year he's a very talented guy all right what's we number no- we do not have the same number one no we do not okay okay damn what do you got then did i already say yours
0: i don't know i guess we'll see what's your number one
1: my number one is first reformed by paul schrader uh when did i first check this movie out august i feel like it was ago, before yeah. school started for sure um, yeah, it must have been it has been my number one every day since <laughs> So, uh, it was just I knew very little about this movie Paul Schrader, obviously He's he's mo- most famous for writing Taxi Driver um, However, he first came to my mind a few years ago When I read this very lengthy article Posted in the LA Times About his movie The Canyons Starring Lindsay Lohan
0: And porn star James <laughs> and Dean And porn star
1: James Dean, yes Porn star James Dean Um <laughs> It honestly made this guy out to be some kind of fucking—I don't know—he was taking risks, okay. Yeah. Let's say like that. And I just kind of appreciate. It. We watched the canyons. I didn't hate it. I thought it was quite a. I thought it was a kind of a fun watch. I thought it was because very bad. when you pair it with the article about the disaster of making this movie,
0: yeah, when you pair it with how what that, yeah,
1: it was super fun. On set was like, yeah, it wasn't
0: it, that much of a train wreck.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, I mean, honestly, I forget when I first heard about First Reformed. I'm not sure, but something sparked my interest. I bought it actually immediately.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and God, I loved it. Ethan Hawk, who is just on a roll, gives honestly, I think, the best male performance of the year as uh the pastor in this the wait, what's he not pastor, is he pastor? Priest? I guess well, he's not a priest. He's not a priest. We'll call him father.
0: I don't that know. would be a priest. Oh, okay. So no.
1: Damn.
0: <laughs> don't know religion like that well, which I is why
1: know. I'm, well, why am I like? don't know. Reverend. Yes, he is. He is a reverend. Reverend of the small church that's basically just like under the umbrella of this big life church with all the fucking TVs and cameras and bands and blah, blah, blah. And it's just like a tourist stop um, in Massachusetts. Uh, but yeah, it just deal. I don't even know how to describe this movie without turning making people turn off to it. But it just, it has such good. What am I trying, man? Wow, you think of my number one, I'd be like more eloquent on. <laughs> um, one, I'm not a religious person, but I can get behind this movie. I think I think religious people and non-religious people the same could enjoy this movie just as much. Maybe have slightly different perspectives on certain things in it but enjoy it, uh, together, uh, the same, um, it's kind of these little, like environmental issues while he's got his own kind of, uh, self destructive issues. Um, and then just kind of finding his place in the world, like challenging his beliefs and what's right and what's wrong as far as man, I'm stuck. It's really hard. I feel like I'm trying to sell it, but also like, yeah, I'm not doing a great job. That's Uh, I was
0: like telling someone about what it was about. And I was was like, you know, it's environmental things and religion and like question stuff. I was like, but it's better than that. (laughs) It's better than what that sounds like it would be.
1: And I think what really makes it stand out is it's not just like one. It's not even like, don't think it's like a God is not dead movie. No, it is not a religious movie in that way it just tackles themes that Paul Schrader has definitely gone through as a Catholic man. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's shot in a way, which he's like a big supporter of transcendental cinema and it's shot in a way that's like, it feels like it's slow, but it's all deliberate. That's in shot in for three aspect ratio. The camera doesn't cut as much as you are probably used to, but it all adds up to like a purpose. Like it, it all mean something it's probably the best example of just like pure filmmaking this year where like everything was intended to do what it's supposed to do like i imagine and i haven't read his script although i do have a copy of it um i imagine that like everything just lines up perfectly from page to screen Mm -hmm. in exactly the way he intended it um and it's just man i'm embarrassing myself right now
0: you're not embarrassing yourself. Yeah. You're
1: doing good. Okay. Well, it's just the best example of filmmaking I can honestly think this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and along with the performance. I mean, we got Cedric Kiles, uh, who is Cedric the Entertainer. Like, killing it. Yeah. Like, everybody in this movie is good. Um, Amanda Seafried pops in for a little while. Amazing. Right. Like, everything from the camera work to the editing to the score, the performances, it just all works so well. And it wasn't exactly... Um, the type of movie I typically like would love. I was interested in seeing it. I saw it, and it has remained at the top of my list for four to six months. And, I mean, that goes without saying, easily my best, my favorite movie of the year, The f- uh, First Reformed.
0: Very, very good. Uh, well, my number one movie is The Writer by Chloe Zhao. Okay. And again, like I was talking about expectations, like and the reason The Favorite and The Writer kind of have been jockeying for the top spot but like it really is like i went into the favorite kind of knowing that i was going to love the favorite i watched the writer being like i'm gonna watch this because people keep talking about it but like i don't like westerns i don't like horse well i like horses but i don't like you know like big (laughs) like i'm a
1: human i obviously (laughs) like horses (laughs)
0: right i was a teenage girl i like horses but (laughs) like i was just like oh whatever but this movie like blew me away One, like you were, I mean, everything that you said, like it's visually beautiful. And the story that it tells is, it's one of those things where like, it's again doing that same thing where it's kind of melding narrative and documentary because these are non-actors who are basically playing versions of themselves. And the plot is like things that actually have happened to them like well, the main character was a rodeo writer and then he was injured and he's kind of um, dealing with when his whole, when your whole identity is wrapped up in something and then you can't do that thing anymore. Like where does that leave you? And what I really think is interesting about this movie is that like um, it kind of reminds me too of Minding the Gap, which we talked about earlier where it is about like men you know, there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity and all this stuff. But I think that like a lot of times men aren't given the language that they need to deal with things that happen in their lives. And this movie is kind of like showing what that looks like when something happens and then you don't have the capacity to kind of like work through it because you've been told your entire life, like this is what a man is and now you can't be that anymore. And like how you find yourself and, um, And that just seems, like, really important, especially, like, in today's society. And I do think it's interesting, too, that then that story was told by a female filmmaker. It was kind of, like, women are granted the time and the resources to, like, be able to better explore their feelings. And so it kind of almost felt like a gift of, like, I will help you, like, explain, like, work through what you have to work through or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. It has, like, amazing performances, especially considering these people are not actors. Like
1: right. I want to know what a day on that set looked like. Right. You know what I mean? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. But yeah. But uh, but yeah. Again, this is a movie like, and I think, and maybe a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, again, I didn't know much about it going into it. I didn't know. I didn't have high expectations, but it literally just blew me away. And it's one of those things that I like can't stop thinking about. And it's absolutely beautiful. And uh, everyone should watch it. I believe it's on Amazon right now. So
1: Awesome. I absolutely agree.
0: Yeah. That's it. Those are our top 10 movies.
1: 2018.
0: Yay. Do you have honorable mentions? I have some honorable mentions.
1: Um, just the ones like I initially jotted down. Um, we talked about eighth grade, uh Leave No Trace was a pretty like really well made movie. And then I also had Black Klansmen. Cool. But I mean I could easily throw some other ones you mentioned on there as well.
0: Yeah. Uh yeah. My honorable mentions are a lot of the ones that you said too, like uh Black Panther, Unsane, Tully, Won't You Be My Neighbor.
1: You know, Unsane was one I really wanted to include on my list and just couldn't at the end of the day because, like, I love Soderbergh so much. Mm-hmm. And I do think that's a really fun movie, mm-hmm. but it just didn't, it wasn't on par with any of the ones that made my list.
0: Yeah. Uh, Once You Be My Neighbor was on my list for a while, too, just because, yeah. like, that movie felt like it came at, like, a very important time. <laughs> it just, like, is yeah. so, like, life affirming and, like, restoring hope and humanity. Yeah, amen. It's beautiful uh minding the gap support the girls game night private life which oh yeah
1: yeah private life
0: i really love that movie it was
1: honestly a really good year for movies it was we saw a lot of good movies
0: Mm -hmm. i also have hearts beat loud and blind spotting
1: amen yeah i thought blind spotting blind spotting might be in your top 10 and then when you got to like number five and hadn't mentioned it yet i was like nah
0: (laughs) it was in there for a minute and then i yeah there's too many good movies it's hard yeah But we also have some categories to help us fit in a few more movies to talk about. Yeah, let's roll through them. So what should we do first? Overrated? Enough talking about these movies we loved. Yeah, sure.
1: I'll do overrated.
0: All right. What was the most overrated
1: movie? Dude, Isle of Dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) I don't think Wes Anderson is an overrated filmmaker. I think a lot of people would take that stance. Yeah. Uh, But he's a lot of people's favorite filmmakers, and he just has a certain style. And it is honestly all his own like he mm-hmm. stole from a lot of people but he created a thing well no but i mean he just created a thing in modern film like where it's just he has a particular style yeah. people don't make wes anderson movies do you know what i mean like right. besides wes anderson but isle of dogs like got a lot of praise and is like just okay to me like i i get that it's like what went into it is is mind-boggling and amazing and blah blah, mm-hmm. blah and the cast is solid obviously but the movie was just like that was fun like i didn't care and then I feel it's made, like, a lot of lists, and I don't know. I would say that's my most overrated movie. It's, a, it's at yeah. least what came to mind. There's, like, yeah other things you could easily fit in there, but that's I, mine.
0: I agree with that to a certain extent. Like, I liked it. It certainly isn't anywhere near, like, my favorite Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> yeah. But, um, and I do. I mean, like, yeah, like, cool. I respect the amount of work that goes into making a movie like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I agree with you on that. But my most overrated movie of the year was Annihilation – By Alex Garland. And like, again, like overrated, like, I just feel like a lot of critics are like putting it on their list and like talking about how, like, I don't think it did that well. Yeah. Box office wise, but. And maybe like I have this feeling sometimes and maybe it's just me trying to like comfort myself for being dumb, (laughs) but like when there's a movie like this where everyone's like, oh, I love it and blah, blah, blah. It just makes me feel like, is this like an emperor's new clothes situation where you don't want to admit as a critic that you didn't understand this movie? And so you're just going to pretend that you did. Well, I'm like or am I just the only one who didn't no, get it? <laughs> I
1: honestly feel like I honestly feel like this movie would connect with like a certain person going through like a certain thing. I guess I just, But I'm like, not that person Like yeah. Halloween is like another movie this year where I felt like Yeah, people liked it that wasn't movie. for me, but like people, yeah, loved it with like I a capital like L. But like I thought it like I wouldn't say it it wasn't the worst movie of the year in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I may not have liked it very much at all, but like it just did not connect with me. Like I'm assuming it did with some audience and I don't think those audiences are dumb. Right. I just think like there's certain elements in like horror or whatever that they love. And I yeah. think they think this movie did that really well because horror is a genre that's like really hard. There is like classic horror movies that are considered like the best, like psycho or the exorcist mm-hmm. or blah, blah, blah. But the fact is like, we don't make many horror movies like that anymore it has it has done its own thing. It's gone in a bunch of different subgenres, and people, it's like it, people have their certain sex of horror that they like mm-hmm. and I think this was perfect for a, a big group of people
0: mm-hmm.
1: but for me it was just like I, uh...
0: I agree with Annihilation though like I just felt like I it was one of those movies where I was like really looking forward to it because I really loved Ex Machina this cast was amazing mm. I was like this is gonna be fun and then I was in there and I was just like what am I watching like why am I watching this yeah. and I just felt like it had a lot of ideas but it didn't always mm-hmm. like execute them the sure. best way
1: sorry another great example i'm yeah. just gonna throw more movies in here because cool. you're well you're, But put hereditary yes. another like busy busybody body movie
0: the first like half hour of hereditary was like
1: insanely perfect oh my god yes and, and then, then i it was just, just had, like oh,
0: what are you doing
1: and then it just got really busy with a bunch of different ideas
0: yeah it, it went from being like a psychological family horror movie to them being like a creepy. Be whatever and then it turned supernatural and i was just like you're just being yeah. every horror movie yeah exactly
1: e- exactly um
0: yeah i hated the ending of that movie no for sure okay what was your most or do you have more overrated you want to throw in here <laughs> what was your most
1: overrated underrated no. movie underrated mm-hmm. oh underrated i think um i think what i'm gonna go with for underrated was a movie you actually had in your top 10 and that is uh um bad times at the el royale yeah. i think this was not on a lot of radars but it is a super fun fucking movie i
0: really thought it would do better yeah it's so good
1: i just think it didn't market itself that well yeah i really do i think that's what it was you know that's what i mean true. people I didn't know what to marketing. really like, yeah i, I mean i knew about it and you, was excited about it i mean i wouldn't have gone if you weren't like i want to go see this movie so yeah. it's like yeah i was glad i did A uh, very fun ride for sure but yeah i mean i think it'll probably pick up on rentals but mm-hmm. we'll see
0: well, my most underrated movie is the one that you just went off about. Oh. Unsane.
1: Oh, <laughs> I'm Steven sorry. that
0: break. No, it's fine. Um, I just it's one of those movies where like it came out early in the year. And so it is kind of like it was on my top 10 for a while, but then it's just like too much other stuff came out. But it was weird like even when it came out, I feel like no one was really like liking it as much as I did, but I just felt like to me like watching Unsane was like the female version of Get Out for me. Where I was like, it's a horror movie, but like the whole thing is that like people don't believe this woman. Yes. And like if you just believe her, like none of this shit would be happening. Right. And I and it's amazing. And honestly, like Claire Foy gives a performance in this movie that, like, one, it's like leagues better than anything she did in First Man. She's only in like 20 minutes of first man. But like it's great. And Juno Temple, who's like amazing in everything. Yeah. She was great in it. I just think like this movie was really good and I don't know why people didn't recognize that right. fact.
1: Right. Like it it was just short of making my top 10 list because of how po- like how relevant it was. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? A shot on an iPhone. It was just right. so now he's, he's, that it was insane.
0: Yeah, and I mean I know you love Steven Soderbergh more than me or anyone, but um
1: His wife probably loves him more than I do.
0: <laughs> Jules, but um I forgot what I was going to say. Oh no! I just, like I think it's so interesting. He's constantly trying new things and like doing things in a different way, and it's like refreshing to have like a filmmaker who's like continually like challenging himself.
1: Amen. We got another iPhone movie coming out this year. Yeah. I think he's got two coming out this year. Remember when he how retired? He, that's how he rolls. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But you're but you're right. If you're interested in like alternative ways of filmmaking or releasing, man, mm-hmm. look into Soderbergh because what he does is absolutely refreshing and incredible. Absolutely. All right. What's next?
0: Oh, let's do uh biggest disappointment
1: biggest disappointment um what do i got here for biggest disappointment wait what are, what are our other categories
0: oh uh, i think well did you want to do the best movie we saw for the first time yeah that one and then what movie we mm-hmm. think will be the okay. most remembered i'm
1: gonna do this okay then i'm gonna do this for biggest disappointment it could also fall under overrated in some for some people uh the first man you just mentioned it yeah first man was like not very good yeah a lot of people really liked it and like they need to jump off the fucking damien chazelle train because that train (laughs) is going nowhere that train is going out to an unexplored west okay (laughs) like i don't i don't really know where that one's headed dude uh yeah you know people can make bad movies and i feel like he did with this one
0: (laughs) (laughs) very well said yeah I a, agree. I didn't like that's first all I man. I say
1: about that. I was like. Score is fantastic. I will say that. For
0: sure. If, if you is, like though. a theremin, it's great.
1: I mean, it's the only thing. That's. I mean, yeah.
0: But I mean, it's the <laughs> no, only it thing that like good.
1: throughout that movie, I was like, I'm at least liking this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. All right. But anyway.
0: Well, my biggest disappointment this year was Oceans 8.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Because this movie, you want to talk about expectations. This movie was like literally made for me. Like I said, I love heist movies. Uh Not only that, the remake of Ocean's Eleven is one of my top five favorite movies of all time. I love every single actress that was in this movie. And then it took place at the Met Gala, which is like my Super Bowl. (laughs) Like, this movie was literally made for me, and it was bad. It was not good. It's not even like I had too high of expectations and it didn't live up to them. Like, it was actively bad. It didn't, if you're going to, one thing, okay, so the remake of Ocean's Eleven is literally the best heist movie ever. (laughs) Like, just done. No conversation. But, like, so any heist movie is going to be compared to that movie. But then when you say that you're part of the same franchise and you put the word ocean in it and a number, like, you're definitely going to be compared to that. And it's like they never fucking watched it. It's like they didn't understand what made that movie good. And it's not just having, like, a bunch of famous people. No. <laughs> well, one Steven Soderbergh.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go.
0: But also, like the 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 heist itself is the per is the best movie heist. The way that they do it, because what you what a good heist movie has to do is con the audience. You have to not know what's happening, and then you're like, oh my god, it was all there in front of me, but I didn't see it. Which is what Ocean's Eleven does. Right. What Ocean's Eight did was oh this is what we're doing oh and then we did this whole other thing that was super hard and makes no sense that we brought a man in to do and that's what the actual heist was (laughs) and i'm like what what is that i don't know that makes no goddamn sense i do want to
1: say just because it's on my mind you're saying that oceans 11 has the best heist yes that's why like i love oceans 12 so much because like
0: that's true (laughs) because
1: because just like what you're saying comparing yeah it's like how do we do that again fuck yeah. So, let's just go a complete like another way. not show any of the heists right,
0: and the heist is actually like the simplest yeah, thing exactly. <laughs>
1: Oh, and it's then it's so just good. covering up and is then the there's actual a like, heist. Yeah, that just covers it up. It's so good.
0: Ocean 12 is underrated.
1: Yeah. Ocean 12 is underrated. In fact, most people hate it and they're all fucking stupid. Yes. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're not stupid, but you are.
0: But you are. But rewatch it.
1: But rewatch. I would say. <laughs> yeah, maybe Don't like Don't ever watch
0: Ocean's 8. Just watch Ocean's 11 and Ocean's 12, not Ocean's 13. Then... Yeah,
1: really it's just the, the, it's the the duo, right? Oh,
0: yes. Yes. All uh, right. So Kyle, yeah. what was the best movie that you saw for the first time first in 2018. Time. Not so, necessarily.
1: So I didn't out. know how to do this because I didn't keep a very good log of old movies. Right. So I didn't know how I was going to approach this. And I know I could have gone back to the other episodes or whatever. Instead, it just kind of hit me out of nowhere that I made a four and a half hour trip to Grand Rapids, Michigan this summer. Mm-hmm. To see one of my favorite working filmmakers uh, show his first movie. Um, like not as in like he just made his first movie, but his movie from 2012. Okay. And so that movie is Joel Petriacus' Ape. Um, and that's what I'm going to choose because it was one of the coolest experiences. I went by myself for four and a half hours to Grand Rapids, Michigan, bought a ticket, didn't know because I didn't know how, the po- how popular this event was going to be. And then I just walked around Grand Rapids, Michigan all day and then went and checked out this awesome movie that he did a QA and a for breaking down the movie afterwards. And it was just an honestly... Insanely great experience. And that's why I think Ape and Ape is also like I really enjoyed the movie. So I'm not just trying to like bring the experience in there. I right. did really enjoy the movie, but like that is just like what immediately popped in my head. And that's I think the experience I need to talk about. If you get a chance, please check out Joe Patrickus's Ape. I actually don't remember remind I don't recommend you check it out first. I think you should check out Buzzard and then Ape. And then get kind of weird and do the Alchemist cookbook. But he's got a movie coming out. It's supposed to come out this year. It looks like it's being pushed to next year called Relaxer that is getting insane reviews. It's all shot in one location about a guy trying to beat a Pac-Man score at the turn <laughs> of the century. And like it's Y2K. Mm-hmm. And I don't think things go as accurately as they did oh. on Y2K in that movie. Just just from some vibes I'm getting.
0: That's interesting.
1: Yeah, I think it's an alternative kind of take on on the event. Sure. Uh, but so yeah. interesting. Uh, I can't recommend his stuff more. I guess this kind of gave me the platform to talk about it. Against Joel Joel um, Buzzard, I would recommend above all else. But he is considered, um, I mean, he's considered a great voice in American cinema, like in Europe. They, like, love his stuff. And I think he honestly, because he doesn't, he he basically, oh, yeah, this is what I was going to bring up yesterday. He, uh He basically makes movies for the older millennials, like the elder millennials. Okay. Okay. Which we are. Which we are. Like that's his, like that's his version of what, um, like he represents as American, or what other uh, countries see as kind of like his representation of America. And it's just really kind of awesome to get this like niche look at like when America is like we don't know what we're kind of like looked at as right now like not well Mm -hmm. in a lot of major first world countries. But he kind of highlights this niche group that the president doesn't affect, right? Like, mm-hmm, it's just mm-hmm. these people are taking on their own lives. They're very selfish individuals. I would just highly recommend giving his stuff a watch. It's satirical, yet fun and very real. So, very cool. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, that was Ape again. Sorry, Ape, Ape was the name I of the, the movie. To Ape. I told
0: you. Uh, my best movie I saw for the first time. First of all, like, you know, we said we saw like 70 something 2018 movies, and then we also watched all the movies for the podcast. <laughs> Um, and then we also went on this uh, filmstruck binge because filmstruck was leaving.
1: Yeah, there was a lot.
0: So we watched a lot of a lot of movies for the first time this year. But my favorite for sure is Cleo from Five to Seven by Agnes Varda, which very cool is not only one of my favorite movies I saw for the first time this year, but probably one of my favorite movies ever. And it like was very inspiring to me. And that's you know that's really important when I see a movie that then is like oh I need to like like a- it sparks absolutely. an idea for me to write something like that's. That's super cool. Uh, so yeah, Cleo from Five to Seven by Agnes Varda. Uh, Runner up, In the Mood for Love by Wong Kar which I also right. like. Loved.
1: I was just thinking about that movie. Like, well, someone on a podcast I was listening to compared if Beale Street could talk, like Barry Jenkins is the new Wong yeah, Kar Wai. I heard that too. <laughs> I don't see that. But it really made me just like kind of think about Wong Kar Wai for a yeah. minute, and just like, damn, I wish there was a new Wong Kar Wai. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> like sure. Like I kind of get the parallels they're making, but like mm-hmm. I don't agree with that at all. I think Barry Jenkins is, and the reason did oh if Bill Street could talk made neither of our lists.
0: I know I feel bad, but, I we, do did like it. It. Yeah. but we did
1: see it. Yeah, we did see it. Barry Jenkins to me does not know where he's going as a filmmaker. I feel like, I, and that's hard. That's stupid to say because this is literally his like third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, Soderbergh has always changed up his game, for sure. Like, I get it, okay? And maybe I just don't have enough to really base Barry Jenkins off, but, like, this is not Moonlight.
0: No.
1: And Moonlight was not medicine for melancholy. And, like, I don't... So I don't know where he's going, but I guess I wanted more Moonlight in this mm-hmm. than I got. And I think what he did is some beautiful stuff, and I guess if you're adapting an unadaptable novel, mm-hmm. like, I get this some channel It just did not hit with me like it should have i respect it
0: the performances are yeah like amazing
1: right i think more but than
0: just regina king should be getting i don't think it this. had
1: like it was too lyrical for me it was like it was almost too poetic i am not a big terrence uh, malick fan i'll say that i have no problem saying that and this felt like a terrence malick movie like and more than a Won car why which is why i don't really yeah. agree with that assessment but that's fair yeah
0: All right. So now like the whole our podcast is all about looking back at movies like that takes at least it works off the premise that it takes at least 10 years to really like know the lasting impact of a film, which is why we look back at Oscar races that are at least 10 years old. So today we're going to like throw all of that out the window. And instead of (laughs) waiting 10 years, we're just going to say, what movie from 2018 do we think will be the most remembered and looked back as the most important film of 2018 in 10 years? What you got?
1: The most important film of 2018, or just like a movie that's respected in 10 years.
0: I just think in 10 years, you'll be like, this movie was the best. Define episode. 2018. Define 2018,
1: yes. I honestly didn't put any thought into this category. I'm sorry. Do you want me to I, go first? I completely forgot about it. Yeah, you want me to go first on this one? I'm sorry.
0: All right. I picked Black Panther by Ryan Kugler because, one, it is like the most popular movie already of 2018. And I think like this, this time that we're living in right now in film history is going to be defined by superhero comic book movies. Cause that's just like,
1: that's a fair point. That's what it's going to be
0: defined as. And I think this is by far the best of those movies that we've gotten. And I think that I'm hoping, and I think that this movie is going to serve as like a turning point in that genre of like what we can do with it. And, um, I hope it does. I hope it changes no. things. I hope it sets a new tone. And I hope in 10 years, we're like 2018 was the year of Black Panther.
1: You know, I, and I, I couldn't, you know what? I have to also jump on that. I'm not trying to take the easy way out, but that is like the reason it is on my list is for mm-hmm. exactly the things that you just said. That with Into the Spider Verse as well. Because again, guys, anybody can wear the mask no matter what color you are, no matter where you're from.
0: Which is also like, what Last Jedi was saying. Like, I just want to I mean, point that out. Dude, <laughs> any the people Last got Jedi, mad about. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, they were like oh a girl no <laughs>
1: dude oh, dude fuck the uh, like people of color sure but a girl i don't want sure, to girl... right <laughs> get into this right now we're not we're not going there okay <laughs> we're not going there. you know yeah god i wish i liked solo better too i mean i thought it was good i like. it more than don't. most people, people yeah people hate it i thought it was good but i wish it would have been like just a little bit better i wish it would have like even gotten close to my list yeah but anyway
0: next year though episode nine
1: good job you almost you almost fell apart on i did one. i was like oh number hopefully we'll get a title soon anyway that's probably my most anticipated of 2019 for sure
0: yeah what is my mo- i don't have an anticipated 2019 i'm excited about captain marvel
1: for sure the end of infinity or like game or whatever so excited <laughs> <laughs> well quentin tarantino's new movie
0: <sighs> don't get me started on that fucking movie
1: okay we won't <laughs>
0: we'll talk about it next year how about that around this time when i'm like the most overrated movie
1: (laughs) when she's like number one (laughs) once upon a time i just
0: like if he does okay i I won't get into it
1: all right well, let's just wrap up 2018 (laughs) then all right that was
0: 2018 uh we will be have another bonus episode soon with our oscar predictions and we are hard at work at season two and hopefully that'll be coming to you soon Woo! thanks for listening bye guys bye